Today is April the 25th. Today we see that there are the foolish, then there's just plain stupid. Today, as we read through the Bible in a year, I'd like you to read 1 Samuel chapters 25 through 28. Now, in chapter 25, we hear of a man named Nabal. His name actually means fool in Hebrew. And indeed, uh, that's that's exactly uh, what, what he is. Uh, David comes to him and he asks for help. And uh, Nabal curses David. He says, uh, you, will, you will get no help from me. David and his men leave, and David swears, I'm going to kill everybody in that house by morning. But Nabal's wife's name is Abigail. She hears David's request, hears her husband's foolish reply, and she packs up provisions for David. She takes them to him and says, please forgive my husband. He is as foolish as his name means and uh, gives David the, the provisions. Um, David tells her, you know, if you had not come, I would have killed everyone, including you, in the house this very night. Abigail goes home. When she gets home, she finds that Nabal has had a big feast. Uh, he's drunk. He's sleeping it off. In the morning, when he wakes up, she tells Nabal what she's done and says, David was going to kill you. Well, Nabal has a stroke, and in a few days, he actually dies. When David hears about that, he lets Abigail fulfill the days of her mourning, and then he sends for her, and he himself marries her. Abigail becomes a mother of several of David's very important sons. Chapter 26, David again spares Saul. Uh, he finds Saul sleeping in the wilderness, creeps up and takes Saul's water jug and his spear. And uh, in the morning, he holds up the water jug and the spear. And he says, Saul, again, I could have killed you. Uh, well, uh, Saul again relents, but he doesn't repent. He continues to chase David. Um, David goes actually in chapter 27 to live among the Philistines. And what we find out is that while David lives among the Philistines, he and his men will go out and they'll cross the Israelite border, but then they come back and they attack a town in Philistia, and uh, they lay waste to the town. They leave no survivors. David comes back and he tells the king, oh, we've gone into Israel and uh, uh, we've destroyed uh, a town. And the king says, well, must have given us payback because a party from Israel came and attacked one of our towns. David actually makes it that way for quite some times. In chapter 28, Saul wants to know what's going on. Now, the only person who has ever told him the truth in his life 
has been Samuel, but Samuel died in chapter 25. So in chapter 28, Saul consults a medium, a witch in some older versions. Today, we would probably call her a necromancer, somebody who calls up the spirits of the dead to speak to them. Um, Samuel comes up. Uh, now, is this Samuel? Is this a spirit pretending to be Samuel? We don't really know. But what the spirit says is exactly what Samuel would have said. So it really doesn't matter. Well, uh, Samuel tells uh, Saul, Saul, I've already told you, David will be king. You will die. Uh, prepare yourself to come and be with me. When we started out, we said there's foolish. Nabal was foolish. What Saul did was just plain stupid. By doing this, he seals his fate and speeds his own death. For Samuel 25 to 28, New Living Translation. For Samuel 25. Now Samuel died and all Israel gathered for his funeral. They buried him at his house in Ramah. Then David moved down to the wilderness of Maon. There was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, and it was sheep shearing time. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife, Abigail, was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all his dealings. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent ten of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family, and everything you own. I'm told that it's sheep shearing time. While your shepherds stayed near us, near Carmel, we never harmed them. Nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men. They'll tell you this is true. So would you be kind to us since we've come at the time of celebration? Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and with your friend, David. David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and they waited for a reply. Who's this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young man. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Get your swords, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David. 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us. We've never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and to the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do, for there's going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He's so well-tempered that no one can even talk to him. 
Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered two hundred loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, a hundred clusters of raisins, twenty fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, Go on ahead. I'll follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. David had just been saying, a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness, and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he's repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me if even one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He's a fool, just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the young men you sent. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. Here's a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you're fighting the Lord's battles. You've not done wrong throughout your entire life. Even when you're chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. When the Lord has done all he promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. When the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet us, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, Return home in peace. I've heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. When Abigail arrived home, she found that Nabal was throwing a big party and celebrated like a king. He was very drunk, so she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until dawn the next day. In the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what had happened. As a result, he had a stroke, and he lay there paralyzed on his bed like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck him, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise the Lord who's avenged the insult I received from Nabal and has kept me from doing it myself. Nabal has received the punishment for his sin. Then he sent messengers to Abigail to ask her to become his wife. When the messengers arrived at Carmel, they told Abigail, David has sent us to take you back to Miriam. She bowed low to the ground and responded, I, your servant, would be happy 
to marry David. I'd even be willing to become a slave, washing the feet of his servants. Quickly getting ready, she took along five of her servant girls as attendants, mounted her donkey, and went with David's messengers. And so she became his wife. David also married Ahinoam from Jezreel, making both of them his wives. Meanwhile, Saul had given his daughter Michal, David's wife, to a man from Galim named Palti, son of Laish. 1 Samuel 26. Now some men from Ziph came to Saul at Gibeah to tell him, David is hiding in the hill of Hakilah, which overlooks Jeshimon. So Saul took 3,000 of Israel's elite troops and went to hunt him down in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul camped along the road by the hill of Hakilah near Jeshimon, where David was hiding. When David learned that Saul had come after him in the wilderness, he sent out spies to verify the report of Saul's arrival. David slipped over to Saul's camp one night to look around. Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of his army, were sleeping inside a ring formed by the slumbering warriors. Who'll volunteer to go in there with me? David asked Ahimelech, the Hittite, and Abishai, son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother. I'll go with you, Abishai replied. So David and Abishai went right into Saul's camp and found him asleep with his spear stuck in the ground beside his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying asleep around him. God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time, Abishai whispered to David. Let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't need to strike twice. No, David said. Don't kill him, for who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul down some day, or he'll die of old age or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed, but take his spear and that jug of water beside his head. Then let's get out of here. So David took the spear and jug of water that were near Saul's head. Then he and Abishai got away without anyone seeing them or even waking up because the Lord had put Saul's men into a deep sleep. David climbed the hill opposite the camp until he was at safe distance. Then he shouted down to the soldiers and to Abner, son of Ner, wake up, Abner. Who is it? Abner demanded. Well, Abner, you're a great man, aren't you? David taunted. Where in all Israel is there anyone as mighty? So why haven't you guarded your master, the king, when someone came to kill him? This isn't good at all. I swear by the Lord that you and your men deserve to die because you failed to protect your master, the Lord's anointed. Look around. Where are the king's spear and the jug of water that were beside his head? Saul recognized David's voice and called out, is that you, my son, David? David replied, yes, my lord, the king. Why are you chasing me? What have I done? What's my crime? But now let my lord, the king, listen to his servant. If the lord had stirred you up against me, then let him accept my offering. If this is simply a human scheme, then may those involved be cursed by the lord, for they've driven me from my home so I can no longer live among the Lord's people. They've said, go, worship pagan gods. Must I die on foreign soil far from the presence of the Lord? Why has the king of Israel come out to search for a single flea? Why does he hunt me down like a partridge on the mountains? Then Saul confessed, I've sinned. Come back home, my son, and I'll no longer try to harm you, for you valued my life today. I've been a fool and very, very wrong. Here's your spear, O king. 
David replied, let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord gives his own reward for doing good and for being loyal. I refuse to kill you even when the Lord placed you in my power, for you are the Lord's anointed one. Now may the Lord value my life even as I has valued yours today. May he rescue me from all my troubles. Saul said to David, Blessings on you, my son David. You will do many heroic deeds. You will surely succeed. Then David went away, and Saul returned home. 1 Samuel 27 But David kept thinking to himself, Someday Saul is going to get me. The best thing I can do is escape to the Philistines. Then Saul will stop hunting for me in Israelite territory, and I'll finally be safe. So David took 600 men and went over and joined Achish, son of Maoch, the king of Gath. David and his men and their families settled there with Achish at Gath. David brought his two wives along with him, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, Nabal's widow from Carmel. Word soon reached Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he stopped hunting for him. One day David said to Achish, if it's all right with you, we'd rather live in one of the country towns instead of here in the royal city. So Achish gave him the town of Ziklag, which still belongs to the kings of Judah to this day. They lived there among the Philistines for a year and four months. David and his men spent their time raiding the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites, the people who lived near Shur, toward the land of Egypt since ancient times. David didn't leave one person alive in the villages he attacked. He took the sheep, goats, cattle, donkeys, camels, and clothing before returning home to sing King Achish. Where did you make your raid today, Achish would ask. David would reply, against the south of Judah, the... Jeremielites and the Kenites. No one was left alive to come to Gath and tell what had really been. This happened again and again while he was living among the Philistines. Achish believed David and thought to himself, by now the people of Israel must hate him bitterly. Now he'll have to stay here and serve me forever. 1 Samuel 28. About that time, the Philistines mustered their armies for another war with Israel. King Achish told David, you and your men will be expected to join me in battle. Very well, David agreed. Now you'll see for yourself what we can do. Then Achish told David, I'll make you my personal bodyguard for life. Meanwhile, Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him. He was buried in Ramah, his hometown. And Saul had banned from the land of Israel all mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. The Philistines set up their camp at Shunem, and Saul gathered all the army of Israel and camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the vast Philistine army, he became frantic with fear. He asked the Lord what he should do, but the Lord refused to answer him, either by dreams or by sacred lots or by the prophets. Saul then said to his advisors, find a woman who's a medium. I can go and ask her what to do. His his advisors replied, there's a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself by wearing ordinary clothing instead of his royal robes. Then he went to the woman's home at night, accompanied by two of his men. I have to talk to a man who has died, he said. Will you call up his spirit for me? 
Are you trying to get me killed? The woman demanded. You know that Saul has outlawed all the mediums and all who consult the spirits of the dead. Why are you setting a trap for me? But Saul took an oath in the name of the Lord and promised, As surely as the Lord lives, nothing bad will happen to you for doing this. Finally, the woman said, Well, whose spirit do you want me to call up? Call up Samuel, Saul replied. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed, You've deceived me, you're Saul. Don't be afraid, the king told her. What did you see? I see a god coming up out of the earth, she said. What does he look like, Saul asked. He's an old man wrapped in a robe, she replied. Saul realized it was Samuel, and he fell to the ground before him. Why have you disturbed me by calling me back, Samuel asked Saul. Because I'm in deep trouble, Saul replied. The Philistines are at war with me. God has left me and won't reply by prophets or dreams. So I've called for you to tell me what to do. Samuel replied, why ask me? The Lord's left you and has become your enemy. The Lord has done just as he said he would. He's torn the kingdom from you and given it to your rival, David. The Lord has done this to you today because you refuse to carry out his fierce anger against the Amalekites. What's more, the Lord will hand you and the army of Israel over to the Philistines tomorrow. You and your sons will be here with me. The Lord will bring down the entire army of Israel in defeat. Saul fell full length on the ground, paralyzed with fright because of Samuel's words. He was also faint with hunger, for he'd eaten nothing all day and all night. When the woman saw how distraught he was, she said, Sir, I obeyed your command at the risk of my life. Now do what I say and let me give you a little something to eat so you can regain your strength for the trip back. But Saul refused to eat anything. Then his advisors joined the woman in urging him to eat. Finally, he yielded and got up from the ground, sat on a couch. The woman had been fattening a calf, so she hurried out and killed it. She took some flour, kneaded it into dough, and baked unleavened bread. She brought the meal to Saul and his advisors, and they ate it. Then they went out into the night. Like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, we'll see the end of Saul.